You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Everyone said that Jerry Michael Williams had it all. Known to everyone as Mike, he had a beautiful family whom he adored, a well-paying career in real estate which provided them a lovely home, and a great circle of friends. He came from humble beginnings. His father was a bus driver, and his mother worked as a daycare provider. The family lived in a trailer, so his parents saved up all their money to send Mike and his brother Nick to get a good education at North Florida Christian High School. Mike excelled in school, and alongside his studies, he started working night shifts in a convenience store to help support his parents. His friends said everyone just liked him because he was just a very genuine soul. It wasn't unlike Mike to step into the role of protective older brother. If he thought anyone was picking on you, he would stick up for you. He was always there to protect me. It wasn't long before the teenage Mike met fellow student Denise Merrill. Mike was playing football, and Denise was a cheerleader. They also worked on the school council together. Around this time, he also met Brian Winchester, who fast became his best friend. Along with Brian's girlfriend Kathy, and the couples were very close. During his school years, Mike discovered what would become a lifelong hobby for him: duck hunting. His mother Cheryl said Mike had loved the outdoors and helping his dad hunt since he was about six years old. Mike, Denise, Brian, and Kathy all graduated in 1988, and both couples ended up marrying in 1994. Still very close. Denise became an accountant. Mike went to work in real estate, and Brian went into selling insurance policies. Never one to shy away from hard work, this trait followed him into adulthood. He rarely took days off and worked 14 to 16 hour days, starting his day in the office before dawn, and sometimes only returning to the family home to eat dinner before heading back to work. His boss said he was the hardest working man he had ever known, and at one point had to take his keys to the building away so he physically couldn't come into work over the weekend. In 1999, Denise and Mike had a little girl called Ansley. Just totally overwhelmed. She was due Tuesday, and she would have made me wait a whole another year for Mother's Day. So she came yesterday, so I could enjoy this day today with her. It was unbelievable. I have a whole new respect for my wife and women in general, and what they go through to bring a, a new child, new life into the world. And the family were living in a small but upscale and affluent neighborhood. Mike's dad sadly passed away, which had a profound impact on him. And made his relationship with his little girl feel even more precious. After this, the couple took out a 1.5 million dollar life insurance policy on Mike, sold to them by Brian. Another two policies were taken out, and the total reached almost two million dollars. Mike said after what had happened to his father, he wanted to make sure that if the worst happened, his family were well taken care of. Thursday, December fourteenth, two thousand. Mike had been spending a lot of time with his mother, helping support her after the loss of his father. He and Denise told Cheryl and his brother Nick 
that they were hoping to have another baby very soon. Mike couldn't wait to give Ansley a sibling, and having a big family was something he had dreamed of. The couple were also planning a cruise, and looking forward to celebrating their six-year wedding anniversary in a couple of days. Saturday, December 16th, 2000. Just before dawn, Mike packed up his hunting gear, attached his boat to his truck, and set off for Lake Seminole, about an hour's drive away. An early morning drive he made most mornings to a spot he loved to duck hunt on. Around noon, Denise called her father. Mike was still not home. Today was the couple's sixth wedding anniversary, and they'd made big plans to celebrate, so why he hadn't come home was a mystery. Brian Winchester and Denise's father drove down to the lake. Lake Seminole is about 35 miles long, but Mike would only visit certain spots, and Brian said they should start with these. 12 hours later, at 2.30am, they found Mike's Ford Bronco near a remote boat launch. After this, they discovered his boat in the dark, swampy, shallow water. Inside was his shotgun and two life jackets. The engine wasn't running, but the boat was still full of gas, and Mike was nowhere. A helicopter was deployed, and divers started looking into the water. Sadly, the search was hindered due to the stormy weather and freezing temperatures. After a few days, it was becoming clear that the chances of Mike being found alive was unlikely. Authorities felt strongly that this was simply a tragic boating accident. Mike's boat had probably hit a stump and he had fallen into the water and drowned as his waders filled up with water and the reason they couldn't find his body was because he was likely eaten by alligators. A theory his friend Brian Winchester, who often hunted with him, said he sadly agreed with. Cheryl, however, did not agree. She reached out to an expert to ask about the alligator theory, and the expert said alligators tended to stop eating if the temperature in the water drops below a certain point, and if they had eaten him, the chances of him being eaten whole with no trace of him or his clothing was virtually impossible. 700 man-hours over 44 days were spent on the searches, but there was simply nothing there. No clues, no leads, no evidence to be found. And the search was finally called off. Six months after he was last seen, everything would change when a hat was found floating in the water, followed by a pair of waders. This led to the discovery of a flashlight, a red jacket, and Mike Williams' hunting licence. These items appeared to have no damage to them, something they were expecting to see if an alligator had attacked Mike. They were so unaffected by the elements, his licence was still legible, and his flashlight still worked, which made no sense given the fact they would have been in the swampy water for six months. 
everyone was shocked that after all the hours and days of searching, this seemingly had been under their noses the whole time. Officer David Arnett admitted it looked unusual and out of place right off the bat. He noted that Mike's truck was found at an undeveloped landing, which meant he would have had to drag his boat through the mud to get to the lake, and the bad storm should have blown his boat to the eastern shore, but it was found on the western shore. In Florida, when someone is missing, you normally have to wait five years before they can legally be declared dead. But, just six months after he was last seen, Denise requested a death certificate for her husband. And with this, Mike Williams was declared dead, with accidental drowning listed as the cause. Cheryl had no idea this was the case and refused to believe it was. But Denise was having none of it. According to Cheryl, Denise told her that if she did anything to open a criminal investigation, she would lose any access to her granddaughter. According to those close to the Williams family, Denise quickly distanced herself from her in-laws and cut off communication between them and her and her daughter. But Denise's friends say she took actually a lot of time to talk to her daughter about her father and what a great man he was. For someone who had already lost her husband and son, the thought of losing her granddaughter was too painful. But she needed answers and decided to carry on, resulting in Mike's case being reopened. In 2005, everyone in the community and those who had been following the case since the start started talking. Denise Williams and Brian Winchester got married. Needless to say, most were a little shocked. Some, however, had been hearing rumours of an affair between the pair for years, and Brian's divorce from Kathy and subsequent proposal to Denise had come as no surprise to them. Brian's ex-wife Kathy corroborated the affair allegations, saying she knew something was going on between her ex-husband and Denise for years. A year later, Mike's case would hit the media once again. Jennifer Portman, the news director of the Tallahassee Democrat, saw an article sent in by Cheryl. After reading it, she knew the story didn't add up, and his story needed more attention. She began running many a story on Mike, documenting everything, hoping to put his case back on the map. In 2008, Law enforcement announced they had started looking into this as being a case of foul play. As the years continued to tick by, and with Mike still missing, Cheryl was working hard too. In 2011, she held a vigil for her son. It was just her, carrying a couple of signs, walking up and down the street for Mike. Little did anyone know, the police were gathering evidence and investigating Brian and Denise for potential insurance fraud. This was based on Mike's life insurance policies that were collected by the pair of them after he was declared dead. Someone else had come forward during this time and said they actually saw Brian at Lake Seminole that morning. And when he was shown a lineup of people, he pointed to Brian and said, well, he wasn't smiling like that, but that's definitely him. As the investigation into the insurance continued, Denise and Brian Winchester's marriage started to fall apart. 
the couple separated in 2012, before divorcing in 2016, the splits had very quickly turned sour, and this would spark a change in Brian. He broke into the back of Denise's car, and when she got in, he held her at gunpoint. As soon as he jumped out of the car, she went straight to the police and reported him for armed kidnap. We're almost in the fourth year of our separation and divorce. Um, another divorce date is looming Wednesday. Um, he, I'll just tell you about what happened today. Okay. Um, so I go out to my car to go to work. I work at FSU. I was calling my sister, and this person starts climbing out of the very back, and I couldn't tell at first who it was, um, but then immediately I knew who it was, but I was screaming. He, you know, was up and grabbing me, and um, he pulled my face pretty hard, and he goes, you know, he's cussing, you know, you, you will turn here, you will turn here, and he pulled out a gun, like, a gun, not a hunting gun, but like a gun that he would kill someone with, and he put it right here in my ribs. So he was in the back, I guess, hiding, and then when he came out, he came up to right behind me, so like, I'm driving, and he's right, he's right here. So the gun stayed there the whole time. He finally had let go of the seat. So I was still buckled in, but I was turning, and I was like, what do you want to talk about? So then he was like, you won't answer my text. You won't I had to do this because you won't answer my text or my calls. Um, please just call the divorce off. I've lost everything, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up, we were probably there, I mean, for like, it felt, you know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. So if their cameras do work, I mean, they'll see the, they'll see the whole thing. I would cry some and cry not. It was raining and people would come and go. But I ended up, um, he, I mean, of course, at the beginning, especially, he was, he was crazed. And then as we were talking, I was just kind of agreeing with whatever he was saying. And I was like, I know that you love me. And I, he's recently lost his son. Um, his son has decided to move in with Anyway, he, he had joint custody and now he doesn't. And so he said, I've lost my son. I've lost you. I have nothing to live for. And I was like, well, Brian, you're the only one who can change. So I just kept saying, you, you've got to stop living that way. You got, you know, you could get us all back if you'll just turn your life around because he was a Christian at one point. And I was like, if you'll just turn back to the Lord. So the whole time I'm turned this way. I'm buckled in, but he's, he's calm. He's calming down. And so but the gun's still right there. And I'm just like, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And he's like, what am I doing? I could tell he was, you know, and I was like, I don't know. I know you want to talk to me and, and I'm, this is not the way to do it I know what have I done it's like he kind of woke up we'll do the injunction that's the first step I think it's it's a restraining order okay. it's going to keep him from if he calls you once you start with that paperwork that's a violation okay. and we're going to follow up on that okay, okay. Um, so we'll do what we can it's you know a lot of times people think that you know it's just a piece of paper is it really going to protect me but it, it really can work to protect you and I, I suggest that okay. we should go there okay. like I said well, okay. we have to do certain things here yeah it, it does it really yeah. will work to protect you as the interview progressed the officer saw the issues between the couple and decided to use this as a way to bring up Mike's case. He wasn't going to kill himself, and he was going to kill you so that you didn't talk about him later. That is the truth. I've been doing this too long. I've talked to everybody I know over the years for 15 years about how and what we could do. Fifteen years ago, he walked in and told you he'd done something. Didn't he? No. 
Denise, you have got, this is not going away. He's going to try to stop people from talking about what he did. I never had any reason to believe that he would do that. He loves the Lord. He was a Christian. That's why I married him. He was doing prison ministry. I was doing prison ministry. Even after everything that he said to me today, I, I do not believe, I, no, I don't. And I don't believe he was there to hurt me. He killed Mike. And he did it for you because he wanted you. And I know that's hard and I know it hurts. But by God, I'm telling you, that's what happened. How old was Ainsley then? Baby. Huh? A baby. Not even a year. He didn't care. He killed your husband. But he, okay, if he is nuts, that crazy, then again, what, I can't have an officer live with me 24-7. He killed Mike. And he buried Mike where no one could ever find him. That is the truth. I'm wondering if he was taking you to the same place today that he buried Mike, because he's oh done it before. Just, you have to wrap your mind around it, Denise. That is what he has done, and he's willing to do it again. Now I'm just, I'm just starting to feel very uncomfortable. Okay. But well, I'm, I'm, I've been uncomfortable for a long time because we needed some things on this case. Right. And we were hoping one day that either Brian or you maybe could fill in some of the gaps there, fill in the piece of the puzzle. Right. But I guess right now, I really, I need to focus on this and what happened this morning, and I want to get this restraining order done by 5 o'clock, and I want, I mean, I want me and my daughter to be safe, and that's well, what I'm focused there's, on. Well, there's no doubt that Brian's going to be located and put in jail. You know, what if he starts talking about the past, way in the past? Then he might, I don't know, I have no idea what he's going to say. Yeah. No idea. No. What if he I mean, starts talking about? What if he starts talking about the it. disappearance of, of Mike? I hope he admits this morning. I hope he admits what he did. If you talk, if they ask him about Mike, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. The reason Brian got into the car and the conversation he'd had with her that day would soon come to light, and after 16 years of silence, the truth about what had happened to Mike would finally start to come out. We're here in the state of Florida versus Brian Winchester. My client wouldn't like to address the court. Certainly. Right? Never, ever did I have any intentions of harming Denise. Nor would I. Nonetheless, I do know that she was hurt by my actions. And again, I am truly sorry. I start each day with the memory of him jumping out of the back, and I end each day feeling the gun shoved in my ribs when I turn on my right side trying to sleep. He will finish what he has started. I'm asking you to sentence him to life in prison for the crimes he has committed. It comes down to my life or his, and I'm asking you, please, choose mine. Thank you. As Brian was set to go to trial, he was offered a deal. If he knew anything about Mike, tell the truth and gain immunity in his case. In exchange, he would have his sentence reduced to 20 years in prison. He accepted the deal, and finally, he started talking. Brian admitted that the affair began in 1997, and as the years had passed, 
a plan was hatched to kill Mike, stage his death as an accident, take the insurance money, and, in his words, live happily ever after. Her daughter was getting older, and if something were to happen to Mike, she wanted her to be young enough so she wouldn't remember, Brian said. He said he'd been manipulated in ways he didn't realise, stating he was a stupid, stupid 30-year-old. The pair first chose the date of December the 9th, 2000, as the day for Mike to be killed. Brian would take him on a duck hunting trip, knock him overboard, and pretend it was an accident. But on the morning of the 9th, Denise phoned Brian, saying they shouldn't go ahead with it, as she was having second thoughts. Brian said he was relieved, but also confused. After this, he claimed Denise changed her mind again, and December the 16th, was set as the day. We launched the boat. It was just like a hunting trip was supposed to be. The plan, the plan that was discussed and come up with was that he was going to be wearing waders. And the belief was somebody falls in the water with waders you're going down. Oh. So we went out like we were going hunting. Um, we got to the area where his waders and jacket were found. I got him to stand up and I pushed him into the water. He got his jacket off and his waders off and he was in a panic obviously I was in a panic I was driving the boat and I, I didn't I didn't know what to do And I ended up shooting him. <laughs> After this, Brian dragged Mike's body to the shoreline and put him in the back of his car before pushing the boat back out onto the water. He then drove back home and got into bed with his wife Kathy, who was still asleep. Later, he drove to a Walmart where he bought a shovel. He then drove to a remote area and buried Mike. Brian said that over the years, Denise spoke little of Mike, almost pretending it didn't happen and denying any part in it. As Brian and Denise's relationship began to go south, Brian became paranoid and the fear of Denise turning him into the authorities was at the forefront of his mind all the time. When he held her at gunpoint in the car that day, he said he had made her swear to never tell anyone about Mike and take their secret to the grave. A day after his confession, he told police where they could find Mike's remains, at the end of Gardner Road in northern Leon County. It was desolate, remote, quiet, and just five miles from where Mike had grown up. Good afternoon. I'm Special Agent in Charge Mark Perez with the Tallahassee Regional Operations Center. 
After years of interviews, forensic and investigative analysis, we finally got the break that we needed. Standing here now, I can tell you that we know what happened to Mike Williams. He was murdered. After receiving new information, FDLE's crime scene unit and special agents spent days conducting an extensive search at an undisclosed location. That search led to the recovery of human remains, and FDLE's crime laboratory analysts confirmed through DNA, through DNA analysis that the human remains are those of Mike Williams. Now that we have recovered the remains of Mike Williams and have additional forensic evidence, our focus has shifted to bringing those responsible for his death to justice. And we will not stop until that is done. Five months later, authorities arrived at Denise Winchester's office and she was placed under arrest. This fell on Ansley's 19th birthday. Denise was indicted on charges of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and accessory after the fact. First Good morning. Would you tell us your name, please? Denise Williams. All right. Good morning, Ms. Williams. Miss um, Williams, as <clears throat> if you're not aware, but I'm sure Mr. Way has has informed you, um, there was an indictment for conspiracy to commit murder first degree, uh, murder of the first degree, and accessory after the fact uh, for murder first degree. Uh, these are all punishable by life uh, offenses. Uh, for right now, however, I am going to hold you no bond. Um, Mr. Feeks, what's the state's recommendation as to condition any, anything else that I need to do? On no, Your Honor, she's being held without bond, so okay. um, there's nothing further to be done. All right. Ms. Williams, did you have any questions about anything? No. All right. That will conclude your first appearance. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. <clears throat> Her legal team said that Brian was nothing more than a jilted ex-husband and because of the plea deal, he could essentially make up anything he wanted and get away with it. Being held without bond right now. Brian Winchester's doing 20 years down in Wakulla CI. So it appears you get a homicide, you get a 20-year sentence. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, we're going to fight it and we're going to get acquitted. And he flipped. Apparently well, I don't know what he flipped. I think he made something up. That's a big difference between flipping and fiction. Got to go. Thank you. Brian, Cheryl, and Brian's ex-wife, Kathy, all testified. Um, I think it was gradual that we, you know, the more we were together, the more we wanted to be together. Um, and the more we griped about Kathy and Mike, the more we wanted to be together. Um, it just kind of, it, it just got worse and worse. I mean, we just, it just snowballed. We just... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but so yes, we we eventually started talking about uh, options and ways that we could be together. Um, and Denise, because of the way she was raised, because of her pride, I, I guess I I can't say all the reasons, but she did not want to get divorced. Um, and stated that she would not get divorced, but she still had a desire for us to be together, um, which 
narrowed the options uh, even further, I guess. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that uh, Denise planned everything and, and, you know, I was just a dumb guy who went along with what she wanted to do. I mean, I, I instigated a lot of it. I, I helped come up with ideas. I planned a lot of things. Um, but overall, it was very mutual. I mean, we wanted to be together. And we weren't going to let anything stop that. Um, so over the year and a half, year prior to Mike's death, we discussed several options and alternatives of, of uh, ways that we could be together. When you're talking about a subpoena, what are you talking about? Well, um, as one of the um, things that as a confidential source that um, William Mickler, you know, we were going to say that I had received a subpoena so that um, that was going to be a subpoena for me to have to talk to um, Mr. Devaney about, you know, the case. I had, I had um, received a subpoena from Mike Devaney, and this was all under the... Um, that it, never, so that never happened. That never happened. That was part of, um, part of being the confidential source. That's how we're getting everything to Correct. bring up the subject. To bring up the subject, correct. For me to talk to her and say, I've got, I have received the subpoena. I'm going to have to talk about this. And this conversation is us talking about what I'm going to be saying in that supposed subpoena. Okay. Because I know, I know they're wanting to talk to me about Mike. I don't know anything. And I mean, I do know. What do you know? Well, Brian called me at the shop crying and before I'm mad. But Brian had figured out that you were cheating on him with Chuck. And he just told me about Mike. What did he say? Well, I would love to know what happened to Mike. They said they found his remains and that he was beaten or that he was shot. Brian told me that y'all planned it. Your brother loved him, didn't he? He did. Worshipped her. Yes, from everything he told us, he did. Absolutely. There was nothing that ever suggested to you that there was any trouble or any worries between Denise and Mike. Not that he told us. And Mike loved his little girl. Yeah, he did worship her. Mike went missing December 16, 2000. Is Brian Winchester Mike's best friend? At one time, I believe he was his best friend. And you know now that Brian Winchester killed your brother? Yes. 
when the article came out in the newspaper, Denise called me on the phone. She was livid. She said, you and Nick need to come over here right now. We went to her house in the front yard. We weren't even invited inside. She was screaming at me. She was mad about the article. And she said, screaming at me, I don't ever want to hear Mike's name again. I don't ever want to see Mike's picture in the paper again. I don't ever want to know anything you're doing about Mike again. I have to get on with my life. After three days of evidence, it was down to the jury. We ready for the jury? Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. All right, let's have a jury, please. State of Florida versus Denise Williams. We, the jury, find as follows as count one of the indictment. The defendant is guilty of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. As to count two, we, the jury, find the defendant is guilty of first-degree murder. We, the jury, find as follows as count three of the indictment. The defendant is guilty of accessory after the fact of first-degree murder. It's been dated and signed by the foreperson. Ms. Eidlett, did I accurately reflect the verdict of the jury? In February 2019, Denise was sentenced to life in prison. I had to find him and bring him home. Judge Hankinson, for the next 17 years, I made telephone calls, put up missing person signs, compiled my notes into a book, and had people post on social media for me. With the help of friends, we raised money and put up billboards. I bought ads in the Tallahassee Democrat and worked with the Twin City News, asking everyone to help me find Mike. They told me Mike drowned and got eaten by alligators, and there was no need for an investigation. They laughed at me and called me crazy. Judge Hankinson, I am a fighter, not a victim. I love Ansley, but Mike was my son. I became even more determined to find the truth. There is no manual to tell a mother what to do when her child goes missing. I just did what God put on my heart to do. Judge Hankinson, for the rest of my life, when I try to sleep at night, I will see my son clinging to a tree stump and like Seminole in the dark, knowing that his best friend is trying to kill him. I hear his voice screaming for help. I wasn't there to help him. It will haunt me forever. In conclusion, Judge Hankinson, we are in this courtroom today because of God, not Cheryl Williams. I am Mike's mother, and I did what God told me to do. My son's horrific death demands justice. With today's sentencing of Denise Merrill Williams Winchester, I believe justice will have been served. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Her team quickly lodged an appeal. The judges agreed with Denise's lawyers. And in 2020, 
they overturned the murder conviction. They said the prosecution failed to show she was a principal to the crime. However, the conspiracy to commit murder conviction was upheld and she was re-sentenced. She gave a statement herself, as did Cheryl. Denise was re-sentenced to 30 years and will have to serve 85% of that sentence before she is eligible for parole. Brian is eligible for parole in 2034 and he will be 63 years old. A funeral could finally be held for Mike and Cheryl said she wanted everyone to be there, even extending the welcome to family and friends of both Denise and Brian. Cheryl said every year for her granddaughter's birthday, despite not getting a response, she takes out a little ad in the paper for her, hoping she'll see it and reach out. As well as losing her father at just 18 months old, Ansley has essentially lost her mother too. She believes in her mother's innocence and said, there's no way my mother would conspire to kill my father with Brian. She could not bring herself to do that. He acted independently of her. Cheryl Williams is a remarkable woman who was relentless in her search for answers for her son. She has compiled 27 pages of notes and evidence and written to the governor of Florida every single day for nine years. She vowed to never give up until someone took her seriously. Mike Williams was a kind, hard-working man who everyone said put his family on a pedestal. His life came to a terrible and terrifying end, and it took almost 20 years to get justice, but his family made sure it happened for him. 